Thank you for listening to Tex-Mex at the Northern Border. Hello, this is Amanda Mendoza-Hawkins, the Tex-Mex at the Northern Border. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is our first video podcast episode, and I am so humbled and thanking God for this opportunity to sit down with Pastor Julie. She's an amazing woman. Um, she has four children. She's a, just a great sister of Christ. She's a beautiful wife and an amazing pastor with Tessera and Arise um, two ministries actually at Rock and uh, the Rock Church here in New Baltimore, Michigan. And she's just a beautiful soul that was um, born in Flint, Michigan. And now she is just a successful woman just doing God's work. And we just wanted to hear her beautiful story about how she came up and um, how she got pregnant in her late teens or early 20s. And um, instead of going down a road of negativity it then she went down a road of a rainbow with God and he gave her so much so we just want to start with Julie today and just um hear her testimony on how God has just blessed her so much and how she's now blessing others thank you so much Julie for coming thank you so much for the very warm welcome yes very kind of you and really Kind words. Thank you so much. Oh, it's easy. It's easy with you because I've watched you for years from a distance like this woman Um, is really doing God's work. uh, And um, I've just always loved all of the, um, I just almost call them services that we've been to at Arise and stuff. They've just been very powerful. Yeah, a service. Uh, We kind of formulated a little bit, uh, try to be different so that it's more of an outreach based, but have the the message implanted in there so yeah it's I just find it it's very powerful to have women's ministries because Jesus was the only one that had women in his ministry and they actually pursed it and then you know really Christianity came through Mary Magdalene when he came to her first when he came out of the tomb and that's just kind of something that's touched my heart the past few years when I've been deep and just, you know, diving more and more deeper into the word. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then God has life come through women. Yes. You know, all life comes through women. And then if you want to get to the father, you have to go through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just seeing the way that your ministry has grown over the years mm-hmm. from a smaller room to now the big sanctuary, mm-hmm. it's, it's very moving and you know, God's working and just Jesus is just holding your hand. So yeah, it's been awesome. And just, um, like I said, I just want to start from the beginning and just tell us about your childhood and how you came up and how God was an influence or not an influence yet. So, yeah, I as I was thinking through my story, I'm like, oh, I feel like I have lived ten lives when I when I go back and think of everything that God has brought me through, and um, it was an awesome opportunity to just recount the faithfulness of God. Mm every step of the way in my life. And um, so I thank you for that opportunity to kind of reflect on my story as a whole from the beginning and um, up to today and how God has um, just continued to be faithful and has grown me uh, in my faith. I grew up I was born um, in Flint, like you said, and grew up in a little town called Swords Creek. It's a suburb of, of Flint. And 
I was one of five siblings. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I was right in the middle. I have two older brothers, a younger brother, and a younger sister. Oh, nice. And um, growing up, it was pretty um, uh, tumultuous with my upbringing. My dad uh, struggled with alcoholism, and when I was a senior in high school, my parents got a divorce Hmm. and it was a really difficult time to grow up in that anytime you're going or dealing with alcohol in the home and dealing with divorce, there's uh, just a lot of chaos going Mm -hmm. on a lot of the time. And so I had a level of faith. My mom always took us to church. So I attended church regularly, but I would say I I didn't really have that deep personal relationship with the Lord. I sometimes think back and it was like I would sit and listen to messages and it was kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher, like, like I would listen to stories, but I had no idea how that applied to my life. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a disconnect in my faith, but I definitely believed in God and I, um, I knew that I, uh, you know, I accepted Christ, but I just didn't know how to grow in my faith or to even um, develop that relationship with Christ. Mm. And um, so my parents got a divorce the year that I graduated high school. And then um, actually remarried each other a year later. So I hear this from Michigan. Now you're the 11th couple. I've heard this. I've heard that of there's something in the snow here. It has to be because I've heard of couples, actually people moving out of the state and then they come back and remarry again. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I had to stop you on that because that's literally now I'm just keeping a tally in my head. I've never heard that before until I moved to this state. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. They, um, uh, remarried uh I I had I was already 18 when they remarried and um it was a difficult time because of everything that we went through as children I I really didn't connect with my dad very Mm -hmm. much growing up I didn't feel loved and because of that I really was seeking love in all the wrong places places. um so I didn't have this desire for them to get back together. I didn't care, but, um, they got remarried. And then shortly after, um, after just a lot of tension in the home, I was 18 and I, I ended up moving out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I just was renting rooms and sleeping on the floor of like friends' houses. It just seemed like a lot of people I knew we're like, hey, I've got a house with my boyfriend, and we need some bedrooms rented to pay the more the rent or whatever. And I'm like, I'll stay this month or a few weeks, and I would just go home once a week and just do my laundry and steal some food from their pantry. Not steal, but take it. You <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. I'm taking Borrow. food. No one's yeah. here though, but I'm just putting it in bags and leaving. Yeah, so yeah. I can kind of relate. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I just wanted to escape, and so yeah, I was working like seven. I had like three jobs, mm-hmm. everything that I could do just to uh, get an apartment and uh, pay for myself, and then. Uh, I ended up getting involved in a in a relationship that was not a healthy relationship at all. It was a pretty toxic relationship. I I didn't I I never saw 
a healthy relationship modeled, and I didn't know what really that what was. that looked like, yeah. Yeah, and when you grow up, um, when there is addiction and things in the home, there's a lot of uh, just toxic communication, the mm-hmm. way that you manage your emotions, the way that you communicate with each other, and so I didn't learn... Um, how to deal with things or manage things very well at all. And so I was involved in this relationship and I wasn't being treated well at all. But at the same time, I didn't realize that that was necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And um, so I was, uh, he, I had my apartment and everything and he was living with me and um, ended up finding out that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was a couple months uh, already pregnant, but I think I kind of knew, but I didn't want to actually admit, admit it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I was already a couple months pregnant when I found out. And when I shared with my boyfriend that I was pregnant, he at, at first was, um, somewhat supportive. He said, okay, let's figure out like what our options are. Let's like everything, let's like figure out with abortion and then figure out like if, what kind of help and resources. And so I was, I was like, okay, that sounds, that sounds all right. In my heart, I felt like I knew abortion was wrong, but I was, I was so far away from God. I didn't, um, I I was willing to explore it. Right. And so, uh, so I made an appointment, uh, with an abortion clinic to go in and they told me that I would have to come in and have a consultation before I could schedule. So the next, and they want you to come in right away. So it was Mm -hmm. like the next day that I had a consultation scheduled. And as we pulled up, to the office, there were a group of women, um, women and men praying like kind of across the street. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking in, one of the women kind of motioned for me. She said, come here, can I, can I just share something with you really quick? So I walked over to her and she handed me a pamphlet and, um, she said, just please read this while you're in, uh, in there. And so went in, sat down and, I was terrified. Yeah. Um, I was I was so scared because I knew my life was going to change forever, no matter what. Whatever happened, yeah. Right. No matter what decision I made, I knew that my life was forever changed. And uh, I remember sitting in the waiting room and looking around and seeing so many other girls in the same situation and with that same look of fear on their face. And I was shaking and I started to read the pamphlet and Mm -hmm. it talked about, you know, resources and hope in that I, I, that there were other options. And so the nurse eventually called us back. We went into the room to for the consultation and she basically told us that we were too young to have a child didn't make enough money weren't married it would be we so she was all negative very negative said that we wouldn't fear fear mongering yeah yeah she said that um that it would we would basically be um you know, providing a horrible life because mm-hmm. we didn't have what it took to be good parents. And so she said it's um, 
abortion is very simple. It's a two-minute procedure. And, you're and she prob- never even said, have the kid and give it up for adoption. Or Nothing anything. like that. Yeah. No, she said it's a two-minute procedure and um, your problem's over and then you can go on with your life. And we walked out of that clinic and my daughter's father said, if you don't choose that, that's too easy of a solution. If you don't choose that, I'm leaving, and I I don't want anything to do with you or this baby. Wow. So I had that pamphlet still in my hand, and so I just I begged him if he could please just take me to this place. I said, this woman gave me this pamphlet. She told me they can help, and I, I want to explore another option. Yeah. So he took me there, and there were uh, two women there that when I came in and uh, took us in a room and showed us a video of like the realities of abortion and that if you make that choice, this is actually the procedure that you're going to be going through and this these are the consequences mm-hmm. um, that you're going to live through. Because they're if not you, as easy as they as they tell you. It's not. Because I I find that a lot of people have told me they've had accidents afterwards. Like things didn't weren't done properly, and all this kind of weird stuff would happen to them, and then fertility problems later yeah. on. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely not just a quick simple procedure. I mean, no. there's emotional consequences as well um, with that, and um, so. And then they offered the resources that they had. But right in the middle, my boyfriend at the time, he got up and just le- he left me there because um, yeah. he was didn't want to hear have it. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was just broken and terrified and upset. And they just comforted me. Eventually, he did come back to pick me up. But um, I'm just so grateful that I made the choice to give my daughter life Mm -hmm. and not choose to both the pressure from him and um and let the lies that were told about how quick and easy it is to solve my problem yeah um that I didn't go down that route and it it definitely was a hard decision it wasn't it wasn't something easy it was it was it was terrifying because he left my boyfriend left me he like took everything left me and to this day my daughter is 27 he has not had anything to do with her really he hadn't seen her or anything or met her he like a couple of times through her life he has seen her but Mm -hmm. no relationship whatsoever nothing yeah and um but god has been so faithful through that mm-hmm. um, and through the gift of of life to my daughter and um, how'd your parents take it? That was a whole nother story. So my daughter's my old your well, my kids daughter. are biracial, but my yeah. <laughs> daughter is uh, biracial and my dad grew up in you know the. You, you didn't. You don't. You don't date, you don't outside, date black your, guys. Yeah. outside of your race. You know, Hispanics are like that too. Oh they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Stay like, with inside yeah. your race. My grandparents, my grandpa's parents, hit. Um, my I guess my dad's grandpa did not show up to their wedding because my mom's white mm. and my dad's Mexican, and he wanted he wanted them to marry Mexican mm. girls. 
And so it's kind of the same thing, like kind of staying with your own kind. And, um, I'm just, you know, I've been a mixed breed kid my whole yeah. life. And I'm just like, that's who I am, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, I can kind of relate to your kids and stuff. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, um, my dad did not take it well at all. And neither did his side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, uh, I mean, was, was okay with it, but, um, but after my daughter was born, my dad's heart started to soften mm-hmm. towards... After he saw her yeah, and got to know her. Yeah. yeah. Um, my grandparents and his side of the family has always been uh, removed mm-hmm. since then because I think it was just too, it's too, too much, much for them. them to be able to handle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, so it was it was challenging. Yeah, <laughs> to I know. say the least. I keep telling everybody's like everything's fine. I'm like it it is on the surface, but um, it's not an I Love Lucy episode, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I kind of grew up thinking, well, why is it a big deal? Why is it a big deal if we go here or there, you know? Or why can't we not talk to someone after, you know? Like, so I grew up in a mobile home park, and there were, I guess. I don't know if they were, I can't call them skinheads because they had mohawks. And I'm like, who has mohawks in Texas? I remember as a kid, I was in everybody a cowboy when I was a kid. But, you know, my dad was just like, don't talk to anybody because they're going to be upset. And I'm like, who's going to be upset? And I'm like, you don't even speak Spanish. And I'm like, but it was just, it was a reality Mm -hmm. that I was, you know, didn't really take to heart until it hit me a few times. And then even then I was just like, whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I had a little bit of that rebel in me, too, because yeah. I was like, hmm. yeah, so, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't really care what what was culturally acceptable. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So did you go to church after that, after you had I her? D- I didn't. I actually was re- I was so broken mm-hmm. and I um, just from never really having that relationship with my dad where I felt loved and and nurtured by mm. a father I was I just was really just seeking seeking love and attention and um I was really heavily into like going out every, every night I really actually when at right after I gave birth to Brianna, I really struggled to bond with her because I knew that I was making the right choice, but it was still hard. My life was totally upside down. I was 20 years old. Um, her dad's life went on like nothing ever changed. And mine was forever changed for an upside down and a huge amount of responsibility. And, um, and so I struggled to bond looking back I didn't realize that I wasn't really, you know, like at the time I didn't realize that, but, um, but I wasn't as nurturing and giving her the attention that I should have because I was so self, self self-focused and, um, searching for my needs to be met. And then it just continued to, um, just snowball until she was three. And Mm -hmm. that's when I was... I think back and it was like, I just picture like this soldier on a battlefield. Like I felt like I was so wounded, so broken, and I couldn't even 
go another step. And I knew I needed God, but I didn't know how to really like get to him. Right. You know, so um, my mom's mom, my grandma, when I used to stay the night every once in a while at her house, she would always pray the Lord's Prayer with us mm-hmm. before we went to bed. And so I was like, okay, well, I know the Lord's Prayer, so I'm going to start, start there. I'm going to start praying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to get up and read my Bible. And I got up like the next morning and I turned on, I was going to watch music videos mm-hmm. back when MTV. Yeah, MTV. Yeah, so um, I turned on and there was a evangel or there was a pastor on the TV and because it was in the early morning and I started hearing, I, I just stopped and listened and it was the first time I heard like where the word of God was making sense to me where mm. like that it applied to my life and, um, God just started transforming me from that day forward. I just gave my whole heart, my whole life, everything to the Lord. And he just began a work in me from, from that day forward from, um, I was 27 years, 26 years old and, mm-hmm. No, I wasn't. I was twenty three. You were twenty three because she was yes, three. three. Yes. Yeah. So she's so she's three, and you give your life to Christ, and you mm-hmm. were woke up instead of listening to music videos. <laughs> you grabbed the Bible. Yeah, I um, I started reading the Bible. Started um, just really seeking God with everything that I had, and. Um, God just started revealing himself to me in a way that I had never experienced before and showing me that his word is for me today. Mm. And like I said, when I was younger, it just felt like stories. You know, you hear stories of Daniel in the lion's den and Noah in the ark, and it it just does not seem relatable. Right. And so God just through the teaching that I was um, under just began to show me that it was relevant for me and that he loved me and cared for me and had a purpose and a plan for me. And Mm. that's when really my life just began to completely change. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, uh, I ended up getting connected with a church in Southfield that I was visiting. I mm-hmm. lived in uh, Flint, so it was a, a couple of hours. Maybe. Yeah, it was like an hours. hour and a half or yeah. so to get there. So it was not something that I could go attend and go. Yeah. yeah. So um, I really felt like the Lord was leading me to that church. How to, did how did God bring you to that church? Well, so the the pastor on TV mm-hmm. was. Uh, having a event he was like coming to Detroit oh okay and so I was like I so he was the pastor that I was listening to every single week and I like went it was back when there was cassette tapes so I like ordered all the cassette tapes from all the Sunday services and um was just really growing under his teaching I was still attending church in person but you were this extra yeah yeah I went back to um the church that my I grew up in that my Mm -hmm. mom went to because I knew that I needed to be um, you know, 
rooted in a home church as well. Right. But, um, but this teaching just gave me, uh, such a deeper level of understanding. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when this pastor came to Detroit, I was like, I want to serve in, um, at, at this event that he's there. And so, uh, I arranged, I, I got a, uh, babysitter for the weekend and I served at the conference that he was at in Detroit. And while I was there, I met some people mm-hmm. from the church in Southfield. Oh, and wow. so I then got connected with them and they had actually like a singles group. Mm-hmm. Um, I was single and they uh, invited me to a few of, of the events and I just got really connected to the church through that. And so after a, a little while, you know, it was a couple of years of going back and forth just for events, mm-hmm. um, or actually probably a year and a half. And then uh, I just really felt like I needed to get closer, move mm-hmm. and raise my daughter and and get really plugged in. And so God opened the door for me to get a job. I, previously, I was working at a chiropractic office and I was like at poverty level. So I I did, I, um, I had to have public assistance for, for medical, for food, for daycare. It's expensive to have a child. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, while I was grateful for it, I just always struggled. Um, I just struggled because I didn't, it's tough when you're in the system too. You get it's treated. such a blessing that though we have that in this country, I know that that's kind of sometimes a double-edged sword. Some people take advantage of it, but the majority of people don't live on it forever, and it's something that they need when they don't have family that can help. Yeah, not everybody has parents that can stroke checks. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah, I remember going in my twenties when I was married and asking for a two hundred fifty dollar car payment, and my armpits were sweating a river, and I'm just like, I don't know, if I'm gonna make it through this. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So you know, when you don't have those type of parent resources, or you're yeah. too scared to go to your parents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, those really do help. Yeah, and I was in my twenties, and you know, my parents kind of raised us that like. You make your own choices yeah. and you have to, you, you know, kind of to... live with how things play out. And so, um, I, I just never, you know, I felt like I was always treated like a second class citizen mm-hmm. when I had to utilize the resources and stuff and which I was grateful for, but I, I got to a place where I'm like, Lord, I just, I want to be able to be to a place where I don't of not dependence. Yeah. yeah, On the system. And so got to open the door and I actually, and it was, I think back and it was just amazing of how, like I was talking that, Oh, I'm looking for a job. And then somebody happened to hear and they happened to hear, you know, yeah, yeah, footsteps. And then she heard that and ended up getting me connected with a company and, I, they offer, and and she really coached me and helped me, um, which I know was the Lord's hand because she, you know, I was, I had explained like my situation that I was looking for a job and that I, you know, the reasons why I wanted to, to leave. And she, um, 
she knew the skill set that I had. It was like office administrative management, yeah. things like that. And she and she coached me though. She was like, "You're, you need to ask for." X amount of money, you know, which to me, I'm That's like, so smart yeah. to have people because yeah. you get nervous and I undercut myself on my first yes. job out of college, $30,000 yeah. a year. I yeah. should have started at 60. I started at 30. Well, I was operating in poverty level. So my mind wasn't even like, I can't ask for that. Yeah. You know, like, so, um, she really helped me to have the courage. You have the courage and, and, and the knowledge. My, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, the knowledge and understanding, um, like, no, this is what it's worth yeah. for you to ask for. And so, uh, which was actually like th- almost three times what I was making previously. And uh, I ended up getting the job. It was such a blessing. I, wow. I still remember, like, being in my car and... Um, Wait, was I in my car? Because I think cell phones were... It was 1999. Yeah. I know I got my first cell phone in 1999, yep. but... Um, the flip phone, I'm yeah, sure. It yeah, it was. Or yeah, it was the one that looked like big. the remote control, the <laughs> Nico or the Nikon one it was. It was yeah. actually pretty big. I can't remember if I was... Maybe I, I feel like I was in my car, so I must have been using my, um, my cell phone, but... I called and told, uh, you know, said thank you so much, but I no longer need any assistance, and I had medical insurance. And, what a blessing. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was awesome. So um, so we got moved down to, we found an apartment in Farmington. My mm-hmm. daughter was in kindergarten in uh, 1999. and so, Those were good school districts back then. I know yeah. that because when I moved here six years ago, um, I met some people that were in their twenties, like we went to school there. We're so, you know, it was so good. And I was like, really? And then, and then I turn on the TV and they're like six schools closing in Farmington. I'm like, no, why? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It was, it was good. It was an awesome, um, it was a blessing to be able to make the move. It was a big move of faith to mm-hmm. trust God to do that. Um, my, my job was downtown Detroit, so I had to, and then kindergarten was only half a day. So I had to like find resources for, for her. Yes. For the other half. And then, um, it was an hour drive and traffic was terrible. Mm -hmm. from. (laughs) So I was always trying to beat the clock to get, to pick her up, uh, cause they charge you like by the minute after six. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but, um, Share the story about how you got there and um, you had all these unexpected expenses and then how God provided. Because I just find that so powerful. Um, You know, when Jesus says, you fools, don't don't you know that God provides? Like, why worry about the things the pagans do? Because he never lets the birds go hungry. Yeah. So why, why would you think he'd let you go hungry? And yeah. when I heard you tell that story, I just was, it was very powerful. Yeah, it was actually, it is probably the single most impactful time where my faith was challenged and grew mm. and it has defined my faith actually. Yeah. Um, so I had spent every dime to that I had to get moved down to the apartment. And I started my job. I had my first check. And because I had just moved in, there was uh, some other expenses with 
that I had to take care of. Um, there were some bills and things that I had to take care of out of that first check. And one of the very first things when I became a new believer was I made a decision. I, I learned the importance of honoring God through the tithe. Mm-hmm. And so even though I was at the poverty level, below the poverty level, I was a single mom. I made a decision that was just like a non-negotiable. It wasn't anything that I was even going to uh, like stress about or mm-hmm. worry about or even say, I wish I could keep this money. I made a decision that I was going to be a tither mm-hmm. regardless. And so every other week when I got paid, it did not matter what else I had. I would, I would give God my tithe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though I was low income at all of, you know, those few years, I, I was never like stretched where I didn't have my needs met. Mm -hmm. So I moved um, to the apartment in that first paycheck and I had the extra expenses because we just got moved in. And off the top, you know, it was non-negotiable. I gave my tithe, and after I did all the other calculations of everything that I had to take care of, I had $5 left. Mm. And I had two weeks until my next paycheck, yeah. and I had a kindergartner. A kindergartner, gas, gas an hour, yes. two hours of driving we a day. We needed yeah. food. I had to get to work. I just started You already job. gave up the resources. Right, because you're leaning on God at this point. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, yes, I had spent every dime. I didn't have anything, so except that five dollars that yep. was left um, after after everything. And so that that was a Friday that um, that I got paid and had to divvy that all up. I uh, went to church that Friday night and we had a guest speaker and at the offering time I opened up my wallet and I had $5 in there and I just looked at that $5 and I was said, Lord, that this $5, it can't buy me the groceries I need, the gas that I need. Like it, it, it can't do any of that. And so I just took the $5 and I put it in the offering and I just said, Lord, I just trust you with everything that I have. I, I believe you brought me down here and I believe that you will take care of me. And so I gave that $5 in the offering and went home that night and I opened up my Bible and I spent that evening and all of Saturday just reading and rereading about the children of Israel, Mm. of how God delivered them from bondage from Egypt and while for 40 years in the desert, he supernaturally provided for them every single day. Yeah. So I said, Lord, you're the same God. You're the, you're the same God that you provide to sustain life for yeah. your children for 40 years. I got two weeks. I got two. I know. How, I, this is just two I weeks. Two weeks yeah. that I, like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to trust you. Like, I believe that you care for me. I believe that you are not some some distant God, you mm-hmm. know, that you know me intimately. You know my situation. I have 
not not to say that like I've honored God with the tithe not to get, but I've honored God, and I know that um, that when we honor God, that He He is faithful. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have hard times and things aren't going to happen, but um, so I just continued to pray and seek God, and I was like, Lord, I don't know if Manna's going to show up. On my floor, uh, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or gas is gonna just supernaturally like keep on refilling right. in my tank. I don't know. Like yeah. I'm not gonna worry. But I could not think. Like the two weeks was too long of a time to eat. Like to even think about how I'm gonna get through this. So I'm right. like, I'm just gonna take it day by day. And I, um, how the. Um, children of Israel, when they were in the desert, they could not, God would not allow the manna to be stored, to be stored. Yeah. It would be eaten only on the Sabbath. And so I'm like, Lord, there must be a message in that of daily dependence Mm -hmm. of that to depend on you daily. So I'm not going to think about the two weeks. I'm going to think about today. And you know, because Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Today's problems are enough. Yes. So um, we got through that day. The next day was Sunday, and I got my daughter. We went to church, and uh, the sanctuary is really large. It seats 5,000, so it's not a place that you, like, um, for the most part, see somebody you know. I mean, it's it was new faces all of the mm-hmm. time, and the ushers place you in a seat. So uh, I came in, and the usher put me in a seat, and a few moments later, a woman came back. She, it was evidently her seat. She got up to use a restroom. I offered to leave, and she was like, no, it's okay. I'll I'll go find another one. And during the service started and during the offering time, the um, at this particular church, we would fill out our offering envelopes, and then as the pastor was praying, we would just hold our offering up as just like offering to God, just an yeah, envelope. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, so I had given all of my... You know, I had already given my tithe in my last five dollars, mm-hmm. so I just held my hand up during that time. And uh, the gentleman sitting next to me, he leaned over. He said, "Hey, do you have an offering to give?" And I said, "Thank you. I already gave my offering. <laughs> yeah. I already gave my offering. I'm good. You know, like." We're good. I already gave it, so thank you. But he reached into his wallet, and he gave me $20, and I thanked him. I, I took the offering envelope, and I filled it out, and when the bucket came through, I I uh, put it in the bucket. And then the service started, and about 20 minutes later, he leaned over to me, and he said, Do you have any money for yourself? Mm. And at that moment... I couldn't even my I couldn't even say no. I mean my eyes just began to tear up and just stream down my face and yeah. I just said no. Mm. I didn't expect him to ask me that question. Yeah. I mean how do you answer that? Yeah. You know? And um cuz most people would say are you good? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. And yeah. I say no, don't date. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> cuz you don't want to yeah. you don't want to no, stop he asked God's me a blessings. Very specific yeah. question. He said, "Do you have any money for yourself?" And um and when I said no, and then he uh started talking to the gentleman next to him and then within a matter of moments, they just started putting cash in my hand and I had over $200. <sighs> placed in my hand and I cried the entire service 
But that that time, that moment, that that situation grew my faith to a place where no matter what has come my way since then, I have taken that same um, stance of, mm-hmm. God, I trust you. I yeah. don't know how this is going to work out. I have no idea um, how you'll provide, how things will um even work out for my good, but I trust you and I believe you and I know that they that that you will take care of me. And and trust in his sovereignty and when with that because when you try to plan it out, we're always disappointed. Yes. <laughs> anyway, you know. Yeah. Um but it was such a moment, a time of faith that I it has shaped the way that I trust God. Mm. For the rest of my life. Yeah. I keep reminding myself, like, my plans are this perfect, beautiful, um, you know, vase of flowers. But God has a vineyard, Mm. a beautiful vineyard of plans for me. Mm -hmm. And so I need to stop trying to put everything in that vase Mm -hmm. and just let him build a pasture Mm. and build a field. And I keep telling myself that. And I'm like, okay, that's I'm just going to continue. Every time I hear that story... I feel like I, I feel like I heard it one more one other time mm-hmm. that someone was telling me about mm-hmm. that because um a few years ago I was going through um medical bills and I just didn't know how we were going to get them paid and I was only eating like one meal a day to get through them and to try to make you know try to get as much money paid mm-hmm. off as possible towards it and it was just str- it was stressful mm-hmm. and I was still trying to remind myself that so now mm-hmm. I always try to remind myself of you know, the Israelites, like, learn from that lesson, mm-hmm. you know, learn mm-hmm. from that lesson. And so now when I get um, anxious, I just start going through all the blessings that God has given mm-hmm. me since I gave my life to him. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for healing my marriage. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me a baby. Thank mm-hmm. you for giving us a job. Thank you mm-hmm. for moving us to Michigan and all these other things. And I just start running through it and it just, it calms me down. It's mm-hmm. almost like the Holy Spirit. And that was not me before, mm-hmm. but I, I, now I know it's like the Holy Spirit saying, let me dwell with you, mm-hmm. hold Jesus' hand, and just calm down. Mm-hmm. And I always try to remind myself that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in, in Matthew, I think it's in Matthew 22, Jesus goes, um, whatever you ask for, you shall receive as long as you have faith. Mm-hmm. And so I just always try to remind myself that. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so how many years went by until you met your husband? So... um so we moved to Farmington in 1999, and then I met my husband in 2000. Okay. I actually, he was, um, I met him on the second day that he arrived in the U.S. Wow. <laughs> so, so you're coming to an America. Yes. 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 Yeah, actually. Um, so my husband uh, is, is Ghanaian from Ghana, Africa, but he was born in London, England. Okay. And so he was born in London. And then when he was about six, his family moved back to Ghana. He was raised in Africa. And then when he was about 19, he went back to England and um, worked and went to school and graduated uh, from university as an engineer. Wow. And so he he has a sister that lives in Novi. And so he 
graduated college and then came to the U.S. to visit his sister. She must have been like me. She was tired of the heat. (laughs) I was tired of that Texas heat. I'm like, I'm done. The bugs, you know, roaches as big as rats. I'm like, I'm done with it. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, so he just arrived um, the day before. We were having a company picnic and his uh, his his nephew was married uh, to a lady who was a design intern at my job, oh, and wow. so I worked with her. And she um, brought him to the company picnic the day after he arrived, just to kind of show him around town. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up meeting him there. Wow! So yeah, we ended up talking about church, and he was uh, saying that he was wanted to look for one. So I was like, oh, I, I go to a great church. I'll come pick you up. And yeah. so that, that started everything. That so. started the friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long did y'all date before you were married? So we were dating. So uh, my husband, he threw some, he, he came and he intended to come and, uh, on, and have a student visa to mm-hmm. go to school. So he came, he got enrolled. And then applied for a student visa, but he didn't realize you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You have to come on a student visa. You can't like be here and oh, get enrolled and like submit. So he he didn't know that, and so um, he had already it had already been eight months um, before he received a letter saying that. Uh, you can't do that. You have to leave the country. And so we had been dating that whole time and we knew we wanted to get married. Uh, but the church that we were going to, they really, they just wouldn't honor, like you couldn't get married in the church if you hadn't dated a full year. They Mm -hmm. really felt like, um, as a protection for, for couples that to take your time, date a year so that, you have an opportunity to to really get to know the person to get to know somebody because yeah. people can fake for a while. Yes, but it's a little harder. Yeah, Tim always said the year. three year rule. Oh, three years. Yeah, the that's first even... year you meet their representative, <laughs> yeah. the second year you meet the real person, and the yeah. third year, like, can I live with this individual? <laughs> yes. Can I really yeah. be with this person yeah. with the toe jam and the their little yeah. corks or whatever it is, yeah. the way they chew food, like. Can you do it? Yeah. (laughs) So 12 months seemed like, but that's probably even a fast track compared to the three-year rule, right? Yeah. So um, we actually went to the church and said, hey, we want to get married. This is the situation. If, you know, because we considered, hey, maybe we could get married and then submit, you know, for like a spousal uh, visa. Visa, yes. So, but the church said, you know, don't, they just said, don't let the situation dictate the process. Like, mm-hmm. if this is the Lord, uh, you know, honor the process. Mm-hmm. And so my so he asked me to marry. We got engaged right before he left. And then he went back to England, and mm-hmm. we submitted paperwork for a fiancé visa. Mm-hmm. Um, it took about a year to go through. So, wow. and that was before... 
like FaceTime or anything texting, like that. Texting. Yeah, none all, of that. It was know, just phone calls. It was long, phone and maybe email. Yeah. Yes, long distance phone calls too. So you had to like, you know, be careful oh, with that gosh. because, yeah. yeah, it was expensive. Yeah, because that's international. Yeah, international. And that's <laughs> Still a lot of money to yeah. call international on cell phones. Yeah, yeah, so I went there twice over that year and to visit. I brought Brianna with me one time and I went one time by myself. And then finally, all of our paperwork came through. And so uh, so I met him in 2000. And then by the time he came back, it was 2002. Mm-hmm. And so it was just about two years um, before we got married. Wow. So, Blessing. Yeah. And did you get married here in Michigan? We did. We you got did. married in the church that we were attending. attending. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that And then after that, where did you... Moved to and we stayed. We had an apartment um, in Farmington and a, for about a year and a half. And then we bought a condo in Southfield and we lived there for six years mm-hmm. before his uh, company moved him to Cincinnati and we oh, moved wow. down there. Yeah. yeah. How long it were was, you in Cincinnati for? Um, just about two years. It was oh, 2010. Okay. And uh, right when all of the downturn was happening, yeah, and his company moved all of the engineering from Farmington down to Springboro, which is kind of a northern, it's kind of in between Dayton and Cincinnati. But mm-hmm. um, so we moved the family down there for two years. But I do want to back up to say about getting married to my husband because I feel like, uh. So we were both Christians and like followed God. And I would say that I thought that since we did everything by the book, that that guaranteed us a happily ever after. Right. And it did not. It did not. (laughs) It did not. It did not. And so our you know, first year of marriage was really hard. Yeah. Financially, yeah. Spiritually, individually, like everything. Yeah. Everything. We were poor. It was just really hard. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. Like you were saying, just even two lives coming together, yeah. you know, trying to make it work, man, woman, everything. And I actually I struggled a lot um because I didn't expect to struggle. Mm-hmm. And so because I thought it was going to be easy. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, we, I married this Christian man and we, like I said, we honored God throughout our whole dating and courtship and, you know, did everything the way that, and it wasn't too long after that I was like, what did what's I happening? Do? Yeah, what's going on here? There's you a know, whole new person. Yeah, yeah, like we had such cultural, so the cultural differences, I didn't, like they were very interesting to me, but I didn't anticipate the struggle um, when we came together as husband and wife, and especially with having my daughter. Because mm-hmm. the uh, African culture is very, is very different than the U.S. culture. Mm-hmm. And even what I grew up in, and... Um, and my husband hadn't didn't have any children before, and mm-hmm. so having a subchild too is it's it is harder. Uh, there's a harder bonding time for mm-hmm. some people there. Yeah. Um, so she's like seven or eight by the time she was eight years old. Yeah. yeah, and 
she was running the house and she was perfectly fine with it just being her and I. And so he was kind of an invader, especially he was gone. You know, he was overseas for, you know, over a year Mm -hmm. and then we just got married. So it was like, all of a sudden here's this person. She didn't get to see him coming by for dates or going to church or any of this stuff. It's just all of a sudden he showed up and there he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really hard, um, for Brianna, it was hard for Maxwell. It was hard for me. Um, were y'all we were praying together as a family? Did, yeah. Were there any like I don't know, was, like new couple things at your church that y'all were trying to get into? You or know, there, any support from there? There wasn't. There wasn't too much of that, and I think that my husband and his culture, or at least my husband, is more of you know like. A man's man, masculine. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as no. Far I think as, it's like, a good thing that that's and, how God made us. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, there were times when He had reached out to um, uh, maybe some mentor type men in our church, but mm-hmm. um, and we both were Christians, but we really weren't finding that that groove of really seeking God together where we were getting on the same page. Yeah. And we were bringing the marriage together with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. If it wasn't for Jesus, I know that we wouldn't have made it uh, because we both had that conviction and absolute, you know, absolute honoring God. Right. Um, But we just struggled because we were both broken people too. And I didn't Mm -hmm. realize how much I thought I had been healed from so much of my past, but until I got married and in that relationship that I realized that there were still a lot of things in me that, that had, God needed to be healed. Yes. Jesus needed to reshape yes. and renew. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was tough. We struggled a lot for for. A long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I find the first, my mom, she was 104 yeah. when she passed. She was, we got married at 19 and she said the first five years are always the hardest. Mm-hmm. And her, my grandfather moved to them to Oklahoma and his dad was a drunk and a sharecropper. So you do all this farming work all year and then you would have to give it to other people and pay off lease in the land basically mm. so you basically have nothing left mm. and um she said she went down they went down there and lived for about a year and a half a year and a half and they lived in a duplex and the other side caught on fire burnt everything down mm. her wedding pictures like everything that she had like just a little bit of materialistic things that she had and it was gone and it was she said that her and my grandpa frank barely got out mm. of the of the house and they didn't mm. want to live like that so then they went back to fort worth Mm. And he got a job with um, her dad uh, building the railroad mm. in Texas, basically, mm. in Fort Worth and stuff through the state. Mm. So, you know, that's funny how you said it was just really hard to get mm-hmm. on the same page and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And everybody so. always says, I always hear, you know, through marriages that make past a decade or 12 years or 15 years, if you can make it through those hard seasons, you start respecting the love changes Mm-hmm. You know, and how Jesus says, you know, once you get married, you come together as one mm-hmm. and you should be together, 
you know, he kind of looks as a bride as a church. Mm-hmm. Well, then we should, you know, always unite under mm-hmm. that kind of, which means you pray together, you read mm-hmm. the word together, mm-hmm. you know, you pray for each other. I find when I get upset with Tim, I start praying mm-hmm. for the good things about him. So I don't mm-hmm. like upset, like you use Fabuloso when mm-hmm. I don't like that stuff around my nose. <laughs> just little things are big things too, but yeah. I start really just trying to pray. And that's new. Again, that's something new for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God has really revealed a lot. I didn't realize, you know, when you, those generational things and the strongholds mm-hmm. that that are just there, and I, th- I really believe that it's a lifetime of working through those and a continual healing um, as God reveals those things. Um, because I didn't realize how self-dependent I, mm. or self-protective I was right. of um, not really, like if you would have asked me, I, I, I would have thought that everything was okay until like God just really brought, broke me down mm-hmm. and revealed and just showed me how much I wanted to ensure that I wouldn't be hurt and, um, you know, really try to to control certain aspects of our relationship, our marriage, to protect my heart. And um, even the last year specifically, God has just really broke me to a place of surrender, Mm. of of releasing any part of me trying to protect Mm. me trying to control a situation and, and honoring my husband, even, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to agree with everything that happens, but the way that I respond, the way that I talk to him to, to do it with honor as, right. a, as unto the Lord. And that's really changed. It's really actually transformed our marriage, um, with just that revelation for me. Um, that's beautiful yeah, because it's, it really is like when God, I find too, like the problems that I had with people, it was insecurities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like with my parents, I have, insecure for so long I cared so much what they thought Mm -hmm. and in the beginning of our marriage I would actually put them first Mm -hmm. in front of Tim and he Mm kind of did the same with his parents and so Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like our marriage was so rocky the first five years Mm -hmm. and then we couldn't we just couldn't get pregnant and then it wasn't until eight years that we had our first child Mm -hmm. and that didn't happen until after after I started walking with the Lord Mm -hmm. so it was like he was he shut that down and mm-hmm. wouldn't even let that open up until mm-hmm. I surrendered to him mm-hmm. and started looking within. And now he's just asking more and more. And I'm like, I need to do more. Give me the strength, mm-hmm. you know, give me the energy of Samson, you know, give me the knowledge of Daniel and give me mm-hmm. the courage and leadership of David. And mm-hmm. I'm just pray these things. I, and I, and I just pray it because I know that I need it. Mm-hmm. I can't be the best daughter of Christ mm-hmm. and a great wife and a great mom and then also a disciple if I can't surrender it every day to God. Mm-hmm. And I just try to tell myself, I'm like, 
don't wear your drama or the pain of your heart mm-hmm. out in public. Leave it at the prayer. Mm-hmm. Leave it at your prayer spot. Mm-hmm. You know, leave it at the, leave it at the bloody feet of Christ mm-hmm. in a sense. And I can, when I close my eyes and clench and, and cry through prayer, sometimes it's like I'm I'm there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you did this for us. Mm-hmm. You gave all of this to wash this sin away. Mm-hmm. I need to be strong like you, mm-hmm. and I know I'm not you, but mm-hmm. just fill me with the Holy Spirit to get me through this season mm-hmm. or to grow with you mm-hmm. or this refi- this reshaping. Because, you know, with blown, blown like glass, I always say this, you put it in there, and, man, it gets hot. Mm-hmm. And it's this bright orange, but then when it comes out, it starts hardening mm-hmm. and turning different colors, and then it can be bent and then reburnt and bent and reburnt mm-hmm. again to make something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's that's a process that's going to take our whole lives. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be done until he says it's done mm-hmm. and brings us home. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel um, in your marriage today with God growing all these years? Yeah, um, we've come, I've come a long way. Our marriage has, and I think that I have come to a place of of trusting God mm-hmm. completely. Um, we still have our struggles and, but I, I am finally at a place and I pray that I, I never leave this place of, of total surrender mm-hmm. of trusting God because n- nothing is guaranteed in this life and everybody has free will and anything can happen at any time. Even if you like, I feel like as Christians, sometimes we feel like if we make all the right choices, if we choose the right people, it kind of like guarantees us kind of like how I talked about before I got married. If you make the right choices, it will kind of guarantee you a happily ever after. And even in marriage, even in life, like people that maybe you would think have the highest integrity or the, or the strongest faith, they can fail. Yeah. And I am at a place now where I believe that whatever comes my way, I know that God will take me through that and he will provide for me and, um, and that I will be okay mm-hmm. in it. And so in my marriage, I think that I have, I, I was, I felt guilty for a lot of years because my oldest daughter struggled to really bond with my husband. My mm-hmm. husband struggled to bond with her. I was caught in the middle. I, I, I wondered if I made a wrong choice. Um, I thought she didn't have her own dad. She had the rejection of her, of her father. And then, um, and that's just hard. It's that it's not something that she chose. And that's not even something you chose really. You didn't right. choose for him to leave. And I thought that by marrying my husband that I was giving her a father a, figure. A father. Yeah. And I didn't anticipate the struggle that would come along with it. And so I struggled for a lot of years with parenting through guilt, with being resentful towards my husband, mm. um, because I wanted him to be to, softer with her. Yeah, to act yeah. a certain way. And I think I was I was I was trying so much to control the environment instead of really trusting God. Mm-hmm. And um and 
my daughter has, I, I see God working in her life. Um, she's going to be 28 in a couple months, and but she has had a lot of her, a lot of pain with her dad mm. leaving and not being apart, and with the relationship that we've had growing, or with that that Maxwell and I had and her growing up and um, just not really having a father yeah. that she felt loved and connected to. And connected to. Yeah. And I know that that affects the way that we look at our Heavenly Father, that we look at God. But it's hard to take God as the father if you didn't have a human father. But in a sense, um, and this kind of burned my dad a few months ago and I just said, well, God is my father. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're my dad on earth, Mm -hmm. but God is my provider. He's my comforter. He is Mm -hmm. the Omega. He is my father. He Mm -hmm. will provide. Mm -hmm. And it upset him, you Mm -hmm. know, and then he started challenging God in Mm -hmm. a sense. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and we'll see how that plays out Mm -hmm. because God's working right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just pray every day that to soften his heart Mm -hmm. and to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of getting angry, mm-hmm. because this is the first year where I've, I've tried not to argue with them and just kind of let things roll over mm-hmm. and let God, God work on that. Mm-hmm. How's your, how's their relationship today? It's, it's getting better and better. And yeah. I would definitely say as I, as I pulled out of trying, trying to control, to control everything and, you know, like, um, I, when we moved back, we moved to Cincinnati in 2010. We were there two years. My daughter graduated high school in 2012. And then my husband got a job um, at General Motors. So that brought us back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. But my daughter was 18 and she, you know, kind of got ripped out in high school. She was just getting adjusted and she was 18. And you can't make them do anything when they're 18. And she said, I'm staying here. And so she stayed in Cincinnati. And we moved back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's already been like 10 years. It'll be 10 years this year. And that we haven't lived under the same roof. And, uh, you know, she grew up in church from the time that she was three when I got saved. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we made that move... She, uh, you know, really uh, went her own way. Yeah. And I was always trying to, like, draw her back. I would, like, send her scriptures and text messages and everything. But all that did was push her away. Mm. And until the Lord just really got a hold of my heart and said, just love her where she is, love her where she is, and trust me with her. You're right. That I love her more than you do, just just love her and trust me. And so as I began to really just kind of draw back, love her where she is, not put pressure on Maxwell to like try to be the dad I thought he should be and really trust God. Um, over the last several years, there's been a huge softening on both sides. And, uh, Brie actually came home for Christmas this past um, holiday, which she hadn't, we've gone to see her sometimes, but she's never like made the effort to come. come. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, you're, she's growing and maturing and things, um, you know, I know that kind of changes things. And she has a child now. She does. Yeah. Yeah. He's seven. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I didn't, you know, that was, that was hard for me too, because she was, I didn't want her to go down the path that I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, but her having Makai actually, you know, she, she really got serious about taking care of herself and, and providing, you know, uh, she sounds like a strong woman because if she lives out of state and has a seven year old, yeah, yeah. she's definitely, she's strong and strong. Well, yeah, she's going to do stuff her way. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so God has really just in my, I if I could sum anything up, I would say he has taught me and continues to teach me to surrender everything Mm. to him and to just trust him above what I see, above the circumstances that I face, and to trust that he is, um, he's working. And my job is to honor him, to obey the word, and to trust that he's working. Yeah. And with all of that, how did, um, how has how's been marriage with the other three children? Because you had a, a daughter with him as well, and yeah. then you had your twin Twins. boys at the end of it. And yes. so with all of that, how did that, how's that played a role? So, yeah. Well, definitely having his own children has changed <laughs> Maxwell's perspective. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, now it's first. his kid. Now he's seeing it. Now. Yes, yeah, definitely. And seeing them grow into teenagers, you know, um, and... Yeah, his his heart has definitely softened mm-hmm. um, just with that experience of raising our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm just, God has been so faithful for our kids, I, for our family. And I see the difference of um, just in the stability uh, with the three younger ones mm-hmm. of being able to provide the stability to them and not to say that there there's definitely things to trust and believe God for, mm-hmm. but it is God has definitely healed in, in working in their lives yeah. and in our family. In where one we generation. A clo- yeah, yeah. Where we have a, cl- I always like just desired to have a close family unit. I didn't have that growing up and, um, and I struggled to have it with Bree, and it was almost like because she was she was eleven when Michelle was born, and she was thirteen when the boys were born. So she right. was so much older. Uh-huh. So it was almost like a whole an only child, yeah, yeah, an only child, and we didn't really have that closeness. It was always a struggle, mm-hmm. and um, but God is not only bringing Brianna and Makai back into it, but definitely you know with our family, there's that level of of closeness that I've always mm-hmm. desired. Do they do you feel like they're close? Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's they amazing. get after each other, but yeah, they they absolutely love each other and support mm-hmm. each other. So I want to talk a little bit about your ministry and how you started that because um I just kind of feel drawn to that too as well because that I just feel like God had it on my heart for the past few years. Like you're going to do something for me because when I, I made a vow to God, when I gave him my life, I said, God, if you heal my marriage and you give me a family, 
I will do, and, and you and you just um, show me who you and your son are, because I don't understand how you're the father and he's the son. I don't I don't know if y'all are real, but you, if you are, you know, and you do these things for me, I will follow you and I will do anything you said. So I have mm-hmm. followed him around the country. And then the past few years it came to, okay, what am I going to do for you? And I just didn't know how that was going to play out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having these babies and, and like you said, I wanted a close connection with them. Mm-hmm. I wanted a big family because I don't, I don't have a big family. Mm-hmm. I only have one brother and we've never really been close. Mm-hmm. And then my parents and him live in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then all of my older families all older. I mean, mm-hmm. I just didn't really, I didn't grow up with any cousins or I had one cousin mm-hmm. and it just seemed like, over a whole generation, everybody just stopped having kids. Mm-hmm. And my mom also is because they weren't blessed. They walked mm-hmm. away from the word mm-hmm. and now they're not blessed. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know, I was just like, God, what, what, what can I do for you? I really, I can't leave the house. I can't do all this stuff. You know, I can't go serve or go on mission trips. And mm-hmm. I was like, all I can do is, is speak. Like, mm-hmm. and it started snowing in the backyard in mm-hmm. just our backyard. It mm-hmm. literally like was not snowing on the side of the wow. house. It wasn't snowing in the front. It wow. was snowing in the backyard. And he and Tim goes, I think God has given you your answer. Mm-hmm. And so I took that as okay. And and then later that year, at the end of the year, I had dropped my first podcast. Mm-hmm. And so now I've been doing this for over a year now. Mm-hmm. But I just was. Just curious about how how God placed that on your heart. Yeah, I pretty early on, I I always felt this call into ministry, and God has healed me of so much in every like every level of healing. I just have this desire to share with others like how God has healed me, mm. and so along the way, like I always felt this pull, but. It just was never the right season, the mm. right time. And even um, I had been in a couple of, uh, there was two sermons, different times where there, where I was like called out and, and spoken over and prophesied that, you know, that they see a ministry and see um, God's hand for big things in my life. And, you know, I you take that with a little bit of like, okay, Lord, um, I see you see me and, but I'm not going to put all my faith in that either, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then when we moved back to Michigan and got connected to the rock church, they were, it was the very first year they were going to open up the, um, Bible school oh, like yeah. that you could take the courses. Pastor Steve started teaching them. And I just felt like, cause I always wanted to go to get credentialed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I felt like I needed, cause you can go into ministry without credentials, you know, right. you don't have to, but I just, I always wanted that. I, I think validation mm-hmm. uh, like that, um, that I felt credentialing would, would bring me. And so I was, I jumped at it as soon as they offered it. Mm-hmm. And so I took, um, I took all of the courses and, and graduated with my um, uh, certification in ministry. And right as I was graduating, Pastor Angelo met with me because they were wanting to launch like a women's ministry. There was some things, but there wasn't really like a ministry in place. Mm-hmm. And it was just God's timing because that was my passion and um 
in the tr- a need for the church. Mm-hmm. And so I was just finishing up and uh, was given this opportunity. And so it was Rock Ladies f- yeah. at first. Yeah, I have a shirt like that. <laughs> yeah, the turquoise ladies. and the pink one. Yeah. I sleep in them still. They're my favorite sleep yes. shirts. They're the only ones I sleep in. Yeah. yeah. So it was Rock Ladies. and uh, But very quickly, like I just felt like I wanted to launch Arise, which mm-hmm. is a monthly gathering. Like I want it, you know, you can have events a few times a year, but women can't really connect. And even the name of it, I was just praying for the Lord to give me the name. And it arises just like rise up, know yeah. who you are in Christ. And so that was my heart. And so started with um, KCD was the first person that came alongside and really helped me get it going. And we started with just a few women coming at at the beginning and we just kept on Every month, um, we had a rise and we threw in a few events and we just continued to be faithful. And God has just really blessed the ministry last year um, through COVID. Yeah. When we couldn't meet, we were like patchworking it and uh, videotaping mm-hmm. and, you know, or like Facebook Live and stuff. And that was a really tough year. And at that time, we had already been a, a few years under Rock Ladies. And I, I, it was just on my heart that there was like bigger, More. I want to reach yeah. past, you know, obviously the ch- women of Rock Church, but like beyond too. And because hurting women mm-hmm. are my, are just my heart and my passion. And, um, so Amanda Alphonse, who was over mops was, uh, needing to step down from that ministry. And so we ended up connecting and then creating, uh, with our leadership team, Tessera, which Tessera is a single tile in a mosaic. Mm -hmm. And it's just on the foundation that we're all broken in imperfect pieces, but placed together where God's masterpiece and, um, and that afforded us the opportunity to kind of go outside of, you know, cause sometimes people think like, oh, I don't go to the church. I can't come. Yeah. And so with having Tessera as the name, then we are able to like do Expand more with that. Yeah. social people media. People that are more eerie to walk into a church or scared of it or whatever, don't know what, to, or been burned. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're going to be more inclined to walk back in or walk in for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and make it where, uh, it doesn't set, you know, and it's, it's absolutely fine to have ministries called, you know, rock ministries. It's a, it's a, it's the rock church, but, uh, we were able to, to make the change and then, um, and then actually it's been a huge blessing. The church is the one who, uh, wanted to make the switch for Wednesday for the midweek, which really has afforded an awesome opportunity for everybody just to have that one consistent day mm-hmm. to be at church. We got the sanctuary, yes, that, which has been. I mean, it's just been it's been amazing for that for our rise for our monthly gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an opportunity to reach women. There are women that are coming into Rock Church for the first time, mm-hmm. like through Arise, um, which is just, it's so awesome These to see. These groups are so powerful because that's how I found The Rock 
was through mops. Mops. Okay. Yeah, I came out of the woods with my huskies and Katarina. She was only like nine months old. We had just moved to the house. I said, God, I need a godly friend that's going to help me get to you and get to know you and go to church because I wasn't going to church. You know, I was barely reading the Bible. I went to Walmart and got me a Bible. And I was like, God, just please find me someone. And we come walking out with these huskies and her kids, Tracy's kids go, it's snow dogs, it's snow dogs, <laughs> and start running over. <laughs> and Tracy just befriends me, and mm. I have this, like, dirty, cursing Texas mouth, and I'm <laughs> dropping F-bombs and all this stuff, and she's just like... Do you believe in God? Do you go to church? I'm like, yeah, I don't go to church, but I believe in God. I'm looking to. She's like, well, we have something starting up in a couple of months. And that's how I started going in there. And then the first service, that was that fall. And then the first service I went to was Easter Sunday. Mm. And then we just never stopped going. Wow. We've been going to church as a family ever since. That's awesome. And we were baptized at the Rock. Mm. And we took the Rock Solid courses mm-hmm. and all these classes. Mm-hmm. And it just really changed my heart mm, and it yeah and it really just gave me a connection yeah to god yeah yeah because he wants us to be together yeah and he knows even though we're not going to get along if we bring it to him he's going to fix it yeah 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 and having those ministries and opportunities to invite somebody outside of a sunday service yeah like you had um and that's what we hope to continue to have with a rise to is you know, inviting a friend and, and just praying that the Lord would change a heart in it. So, yeah, I think it's powerful when people can get together and pray Mm -hmm. and women can come together and hear a service from a woman. Cause it's, you know, you don't see a lot of women pastors, Mm -hmm. but like I said, I mean, the Christianity kind of started through Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. I know this may upset some people when I say (laughs) that, but you know, Jesus didn't come to one of the guys first. Mm -hmm. He came to Mary mm-hmm. first. And so, mm-hmm. and I just find like, I just keep going back to that saying, you know, Jesus believes in women. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants, you know, wants to help you rise up. Mm-hmm. You can spread the word, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be just a man. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I just take that to heart. Mm-hmm. And so I want, that's why I wanted you to come today because you have such a beautiful testimony and you've been so faithful to God and you're so successful and I'm not talking about money successful or job successful, but I mean, you have four children, you have a successful marriage, you know that it takes the word to mm-hmm. wash over it and mm-hmm. to humble yourself and to pray about it and mm-hmm. to just stand with God and sit still sometimes. And I just find that powerful. Oh, thank yeah. you. And then to have the ministry, mm-hmm. you know, it's touching a lot of lives in this community. It really it's is. It's a blessing. It really is. So um, just tell us real quick about how um, women in the Macomb, Chesterfield, New Baltimore area can find the Rock Church in Tessera. Absolutely. You can go to rockchurchnow.com and you'll find all of the different links to the ministries that we have under the women's. You'll find Tessera. Mm -hmm. We meet on the third Wednesday of every month at Rock Church. Um, the doors open at 6.45 p.m., and we usually get done right around 8.30, so it's a fantastic time. You can just drop in, even if you aren't a member, even if you don't go to Rock Church, you can come on that third Wednesday. We meet in the main worship center, and we would love 
to be able to have uh, anyone who's interested, any lady that's yes, interested. Yes, any lady that wants to come. Any, yeah, yeah, they have actually, they have stand for the men. Um, they have their own gathering on the same Wednesday, the third Wednesday, but uh, yeah. Arise has been a So if you have time. a married couple... Both yes. of y'all can go. Yeah, you know it's open for. I've seen the men in yeah. there are barbecuing outside. Yes. When I pull up, I'm like, yeah. "Where's the barbecue for the women? Throw <laughs> yeah. us some brisket." No, I'm just playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, Facebook, you can look up Tessera Ministries, and then um, we do we put up all of our events and the upcoming arise are listed as well. So you can find on Facebook as well. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, I'm just going to end with prayer. Real Absolutely. Quick. Yeah. Dear God, thank you so much for bringing Julie here today and just sharing her powerful story and walk with you and all the just beautiful miracles that you've washed over her life. Mm-hmm. And now she's washing over others. And we ask that you just lift her up and lift others up out there and just pray that if anybody heard this and is just thinking about you or wondering about you, that you just bring them a miracle, a blessing, and some way, somehow just bring them to the word, just Mm -hmm. have them just be pulled to your book of life and Mm -hmm. just let, let you wash over them. And we just thank you so much for this opportunity and of filling us with the Holy Mm. Spirit. And we ask that you just bless all those Christians out there who are looking to take a leap of Mm. faith with him and and just need that. And may you fill them with faith and Mm. courage and love. In Jesus' name, we pray all of this. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This is Amanda Mendoza Hawkins at the Tex-Mex at the Northern Border. Mm.